0: Oh, hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. How are you doing? Great to be back with you. Um, Busy weekend. So much going on. You know, uh, I think you know that every day I do the show, Justin, our editor-producer, puts together some uh, visual elements to choose from. This is a free-flowing stream-of-consciousness-style live stream as opposed to the scripted, um, more meticulously-produced show I do every night at 8 Eastern. And uh, there's so much to get through. I counted. I've got 13 items I want to talk to you about, which tells me I've got less than five minutes per, plus I want to take your Super Chats. So we got to jump right into it, just to let you know, in addition to the YouTube censorship platform, we're on three other platforms. We're on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E dot com, we're on rumble.com, and we're on superu.net s-u-p-e-r-u dot net so we're diversifying our platforms that warning that we run at the beginning is only for the censorship platform of youtube um, to indicate that we have to tell people that if there's anything you're about to hear that is skeptical (laughs) about the lockdowns or the pandemic that that is not approved thinking i'm not even kidding there's no uh, there's actually only one other subject You can say the earth is flat on YouTube. I don't know if you know that. You can do that. You can say the moon is made out of cheese. You can pretend to be the king of Spain. You can do pretty much whatever you want on YouTube, but there are two things you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to disagree with the World Health Organization on pandemic matters, and you're not allowed to claim uh, that the 2020 presidential election was... um, had widespread fraud. You can claim any other presidential election did. You could claim that Hillary Clinton was robbed in 2016, but you can't uh, say that about this one election in the world. You can, you can say it or not say it about you know any other country in the world, just not about Donald Trump. Isn't that weird? That's an official YouTube policy you can see for yourself. Um, and the policy bites, as in it has teeth, it also bites in the colloquial sense of the word. Uh, we were suspended for a week when they dug through some old video I did like six months ago. And I had a little clip of Donald Trump, but that same clip appears on many YouTube channels from legacy media, like I, like the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post that have that same video on their site on YouTube. It, it's It's just used as a weapon to come for... Conservatives, anyway. so it's a pleasure to be with you. And look at that, I've just wasted three minutes. I want to jump right in. We've got so many things to talk about. I want to deal with the most important one first. And I'm going to ask Justin because he's more musical than me. Justin used to be a DJ, I'm told. Uh, I'm told by him. So, um, Justin, do you, who is the whitest rapper in the world? Now, T- Tom Green, he's a pretty white rapper, you know. Um, a lot of white rappers just call themselves beat poets you know um, it's awful beat poetry I think is one of the worst things and I think of bongo drums and I think of Seattle and I think of homeless hobos and, but who is the whitest rapper in the world is it snow remember snow that's snow there and his video Informer remember that one? I think he's pretty white and he sort of plays to it hence his nickname Snow It would be like having the rap name Mayo That would be funny wouldn't it and uh, But I, I think he was Jamaican. I think he's a white Jamaican um, And I think his, his rapping wasn't bad uh, He just you know embraced the fact that he's not your usual Jamaican rapper So is he the whitest rapper in the world? Or maybe it's Eminem. And um, I think Eminem is pretty talented. And again, he embraces the fact that he's unusual. His whole movie, 8 Mile, was about what it was like uh, going up against rap legends who were more traditional rappers. Do we have any viz of him? Oh, yeah. Let's take, here he is. Uh, I think this is the whitest rap that uh, Eminem ever did. Take a look.
1: You bend the word. Yeah. It's
0: just in the enunciation. Of okay, it. Like stop for a second. That, stop for a second. I thought... Sorry, thank you for that. That is the clip I requested. I thought it was his anti-Trump... Right, that was in my mind. This actually shows his talent. I, when I said it was the whitest thing in the world, that was when he did some anti-Trump rap. It was awful. It was terrible. This shows how good he is. Take a look. In The word.
1: Yeah. It's just in the enunciation of it. Like, people say that... Uh, The word orange doesn't rhyme with anything, and that kind of pisses me off because I can think of a lot of things that rhyme with orange. What rhymes with orange? If you're looking, if you're taking, if you're taking the word at face value, and you just say orange, nothing is gonna rhyme with it exactly. If you enunciate it and you make it like more than one syllable, Mm -hmm. orange, you could say like, uh, I put my. Orange, four-inch, door hinge, and storage, and ate porridge with George. (laughs) You just have to figure out the the science to breaking down words and try to...
0: I think he's exactly right. It's a listening as opposed to an etymological approach to words. I think he nailed it there. And uh, I I think he's a good rapper. Again, forget about all their politics. He's a good rapper. So you got Snow, the Jamaican-Canadian, sort of a one-hit wonder with Informer. You got Eminem from uh, Michigan who, again, pulls, put aside his politics. He's got, some, he's got some skills. He has some staying power and some diversity. But I think I'm going to show you the whitest rapper in America. It's so white I was sort of cringing. This is cultural appropriation, a white guy trying to rap. Take a look at this, Vid. No. been Day chat, find a May chat. Open up be okay, ass, O K yeah. Okay, yeah. Pop my picture looking tight chat, yeah. nice chat. Yeah. Got your bio reading right chat, yeah. precise chat. Yeah. But before you find a day chat, you gotta wait chat. Yeah. Gotta go back to nature, get it straight chat. Yeah. Girl, you look know good, want you vax that thing? I'm a handsome young brother, want you vax that thing up? Dating real life, you need to vax that thing you up. Feeling freaky all night, you need to vax that thing up. Girl, you look know good, want you vax that thing? I'm a handsome young brother, want you vax that thing up? Dating real life, you need to Vax that thing, yo. free, yo. You need to vax that thing up. You're looking really good. You need to vax that thing up. Now, I would say that he looks black, but I would put it to you that is a whiter rap than anything Snow or Eminem or Tom Green or any, you know, hempy beat poet in Seattle has ever done. And that rapper's name is Juvenile. I know you think I'm kidding. Um, Now, I I, I did a little research into Juvenile and he's had a very um, checkered life. He's had some amazing success and some terrible sorrows. His daughter was killed and I won't get into that detail now. But, so I have some sympathy for what the man has been through. But I think it's turned him into someone who just needs to make money to pay some terrible bills. And I think he's realized that if he can't quite cut it in the biz, you know, if there's not a lot of street cred for, vax that thing up. See, Va- the CD Anthony Fauci says, vax that thing up. You know, it's like when Eddie Murphy does his white voice. Anthony Fauci says, vax that thing up. Um, I think Juvenile has realized that he can't compete with... Uh, you know, the hot rappers out there. So maybe he can just get gigs from the CDC or from the Democratic Party, and it's not cool. And like I say, he will be known as, uh, you know, Little Dicky has more soul than Juvenile. You know Little Dicky? Um, and if you think I'm kidding, if you think I'm being mean, check out this video during last year's presidential cycle with Juvenile and... Tom Steyer, take a look. I was worried for a second that Tom Steyer was having a seizure or something. I was thinking, oh, my God, he's having a seizure, get him meds. And then I thought, no, he just went to the Elaine Bennis School of Dancing. But um, would you agree with me that Tom Steyer, who is so white he's pink, would you agree with me that Tom Steyer has more soul than juvenile and his raps? So he's got basically two messages, Juvenile. One is back that thing up, and then the other is vax that thing up. And they may be the same song, in fact. Um, I think they are the same song. I think it's like when Elton John did uh, Goodbye Norma Jean. You know, he did his song for Marilyn Monroe and then he just thought, okay, Princess Diana died. I don't have time or creative energy. I'll just do Goodbye England's Rose, because I had a hit once, let me just change a few words and maybe no one will notice that it's the same song I wrote before for Marilyn Monroe. I'm gonna do it again now for Princess Diana. Um, I think Juvenile had backed that thing up and someone just said, I'll give you half a mil, pay off your debts, um, give us some propaganda video for vax that thing up. Don't you think? Don't you think that's what happened? Like, I'm, I don't think that's music from the streets. I don't think that's representing the hood. I think that's representing... I call from Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci hey, man, what's up? Well, you know, we've got some money here from the CDC. If you uh, just write a VAC song, do I have to write it, or can I just change one word? Tom Steyer seemed to really like it, and that's really my target audience these days. I don't have a lot of street cred left. I don't have a lot of actual, actual people listening to it, but I'm happy to sell my soul artistically to Tom Steyer, Anthony Fauci, the whitest men in the world. I mean, seriously, Eminem is looking at Juvenile and saying, you know, it's like, you know, you're, you're practically a Klansman. All right, I think I made my point, but um, I've never seen a pandemic before that uh, needed so much marketing to get people to vax that thing up you know whether it's million dollar lotteries or in toronto here they offer children free ice cream if they get vaccines as young as 12 and no parental consent needed that sounds pretty ethical to me offering children an experimental med no parental consent um in return for ice cream that sounds like it ticks all the boxes on the ethics test doesn't it oh my god well, that's um juvenile. I'm going to make that my ringtone and uh, just <laughs> I mean that that's as edgy as I get. Vax that thing up you know i i uh I've been on this three-month Kanye bender, everything he's ever sung every and, uh, and that's gotten that's opened other doors for me. I really enjoy Jay-Z's. Story of O.J., do you know that one? That's I don't even think you're allowed to listen to that if you're not black. Like there's this one powerful line, I'm not black, I'm O.J. Okay. And it's uh, it's a very, you know, it's a very interesting song by Jay-Z. They talk about the Jews in it. Uh, Very carefully, Jay-Z talks about the Jews. I like that song, The Story of O.J. That's black music. I think... um, White guys like me can like it. But I think that song by Juvenile, I think, I think that is probably the whitest sound I've ever heard. That's, um, that's like Lawrence Welk for those who were born in the 20th century. All right, I'm going to stop talking about musical taste because everyone has their own. Um, by the way, if Juvenile didn't persuade you Like if that video didn't persuade you, maybe you need, like if that wasn't just absolutely peer pressure, I want to be as cool as Juvenile and Tom Steyer, so you've persuaded, if that didn't, CNN has an idea, Uh, life should be harder and harder and harder on you if you don't take the carrot of Juvenile remaking one of his songs for a half mil payday, um, maybe we'll just punish you till you take it.
2: Here, take a look. I think this really depends on what it is that we do at this point. So now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now now when it comes to vaccination to overcoming disinformation and what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice it needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated right now it's kind of the opposite it's fine I mean it's easy if you're unvaccinated you can do everything you want to do anyway but at some point these mandates by workplaces by schools I think it will be important to say hey you can opt out but if you want to opt out you have to sign these forms you have to get twice weekly testing basically we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice that is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic
0: all right dr. Lena wow Um, there you have it I mean the authoritarian impulse I I never really paid attention to public health before I just sort of ignored it I know that public health really was invented by the Nazis I don't know if you know that Um, The Nazi War on Cancer was a famous book. Can you just throw that up on Amazon? I I read this book about 10 years ago. I think I might have shown it to you before. The Nazi War on Cancer. Um, Fascinating. Hitler took the position that your body belonged to the state. Yeah, look at that. The Nazi War on Cancer. Can you pump that up? Let me see if I can read that a little bit. Collaboration in the Holocaust, murderous and torturous medical experiments, the euthanasia of hundreds of thousands of people with mental or physical disabilities, widespread sterilization of the unfit. Nazi doctors committed these and countless other atrocities as part of Hitler's warped quest to create a German master race. Robert Proctor recently made the explosive discovery, however, that Nazi Germany was also decades ahead of other countries in promoting health reforms that we today regard as progressive and socially responsible. Most startling, Nazi scientists were the first to definitively link lung cancer and cigarette smoking. Proctor explores the controversial and troubling questions that such findings raise Were the Nazis more complex morally than we thought? Can good science come from an evil regime? What might this reveal about health activism in our own society? Proctor argues that we must view Hitler's Germany more subtly than we have in the past, but he also concludes that the Nazis' forward-looking health activism ultimately came from the same twisted root as their medical crimes, the idea of a sanitary racial utopia, reserved exclusively for pure and healthy Germans. I'm not going to read any more uh, from there, but I wonder if it's possible. Um, Can you get me some, uh, can you go into Google and find the images because they have public health posters. I should do a show on this. They have public health posters from Nazi Germany. You know, Germany, I think, was the first place in the world that had a, well, listen, King James II, I guess, had the first anti-smoking edict called counterblast to tobacco. He wrote that 400 years ago. Um, he called it hateful to the eye, offensive to the nose. He didn't ban it, of course. He just taxed it. Tobacco. Yeah, look at that. Nicht sie Yeah, I, I forgive me. I, I I don't even know what that means. But this is some, yeah, give me, give me some more. There's one, you know, I learned that the word, you know the word um, cancer is in Germany? Krebs, crab. That's, you know, the cancer, the, the ast- astrological symbol for cancer is a crab. That's what they call, I think that's what they call cancer in, in German. I learned that from this book. Um, other than this book 10 years ago that I read, I have not thought about public health until a year and a half ago. And we see that authoritarian instinct, that authoritarian impulse. You know, if can you find a couple more posters? Because there, there's some that say, your body belongs to the state, your body belongs to the Fuhrer. I don't know if you can find that, and that's the English translation. I'm sorry, I don't remember the German. But, uh, if, but maybe if you just Google Nazi war and cancer and click image search, you can find some. And they also show that Aryan good Aryans drink um, don't drink or they only drink beer, whereas uh, those evil Jews drink um, hard liquor or something. Or communists drink liquor. Like they were making it about if you want to be a pure Aryan, you have to follow our our rules. So there was a, a racial pure I mean, as you saw there. So that so that impulse that you just saw on CNN that authoritarian. Your body belongs to the state. That is an impulse that uh, was given full expression under Hitler. I mean, it is it is bizarre that Hitler, who would command the death of millions, was also a vegetarian and an anti-vivisectionist, if I'm not mistaken. That's a fancy way of saying he was against experiments on animals. Uh, um, I... I can't really, I can't really tell. Scroll up a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, what is that one? Can you blow that one up? Can we make that a little bigger? I think that might have been one that compared the two, anyhow, you take my meaning. It's just a little creepy to see it in 2021. Okay, my German is so weak. I, I'm not even going to try and translate that. Anyway, but you see my point. I think I make my point. I want to. Here, can I? I was talking about Anthony Fauci and how he's the um, very soulful inspiration behind vax that thing up. Uh, uh, he was on CNN also. Um, there was a conservative conference, I think, in Texas, and someone on stage said young people are skeptical about vaccines and um, the side effects, which I think is fair—a uh, fair position to be in, given that uh, young people are the least ravaged by the virus, and, um, and we know a lot more about the virus now. Basically, if you're over 80 and you have underlying health conditions, it's something to worry about. But if you're like that 22-year-old Olympic athlete who said, I'm not getting a vax. He's probably the healthiest man, um, one in a million. But look at Fauci here. Just take a look at this. I have two responses to Fauci. Take a look.
3: to do with politics. It's a public health issue. It doesn't matter who you are. The virus doesn't know whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent. For sure, we know that. And yet there is that divide of people wanting to get vaccinated, and not wanting to get vaccinated, which is really unfortunate because it's losing lives. The um, conservative political conference, CPAC, uh, is going on this weekend. I want to play for you a clip of one of the speakers from that event yesterday. They were hoping, the government was hoping, that they could sort of sucker 90% of the population into getting vaccinated and it, and, and it, and it isn't happening, right? There, there's a, y- younger people, I'm going to cut him off right there because he just goes on to just say things that are not true about the vaccine. But what I wanted to get your reaction to is the crowd cheering when this gentleman talks about how the government was not able to achieve a 90% vaccine goal. The crowd cheers. Um, as a public health official, what's your reaction when you hear that? It's 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 horrifying. I mean, they're cheering about someone saying that it's a good thing for people not to try and save their lives. I mean, if you just unpack that for a second, Jake, it's almost frightening to say, Hey, guess what? We don't want you to do something to save your life. Yay. Everybody starts screaming and, and clapping. I just don't get that. I mean, I, and I don't think that anybody who's thinking clearly can get that. What is that all about? I, I don't understand that Jake. On the other side of the political spectrum.
0: Um, Well, I understand it. First of all, Jake Tapper wouldn't let you judge for yourself what that speaker at CPAC said. He wouldn't let you see it. You have to believe, Jake Tapper, that it was false. Because everything CNN has said about the vaccine has been completely true. (laughs) I mean... Gee, I wonder why ratings are plummeting. I'm not going to show, there, there's something very interesting that happened. It's so interesting I want to talk about it on my show. But I'm not going to let you see it for yourself. You have to take my filtered view of it. Because I don't trust you. Is, is Jake Tapper saying he only shows things on TV that are true? And that he is the only arbiter of what is true? Really? He's an he's a expert on so many subjects. He doesn't, but what he's really saying is he will not trust his viewers not to be fooled. Or maybe his viewers don't trust him, so he can't let them see it. But to answer what Anthony Fauci said there, the reason why the virus and the vaccine and the pandemics and the lockdown and the masks have become politicized is because Anthony Fauci and Jake Tapper and the Media Party and Big Pharma and the public health tyrants have made them political. They have weaponized them long ago. That happened long ago when they first exculpated China from any responsibility whatever and turned this on Donald Trump as a weapon to dislodge him from the presidency. Um, They made everything political when Trump would suggest hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, he didn't actually talk about that, I don't think. Because Trump suggested it, immediately you couldn't talk about those things. In fact, that's one of the things YouTube bans you from saying. YouTube bans you from saying that hydroxychloroquine, specifically there in the YouTube rules, you cannot say that that's a remedy. I don't know if it's a remedy, but uh, I'm not a doctor and neither is YouTube, but Trump said it, so you can't say it. So for a year and a half, Anthony Fauci, Jake Tapper, the Media Party, Big Pharma, YouTube, etc. has politicized the pandemic. And now they're wondering, why are you guys treating this like it's so political? Because you made it political, buddy. But but even as he condemns it, he says, how could you... He's saying, don't save lives. No, he didn't. He said, and, and we... It, I mean, th- that's what Anthony Fauci says was said at CPAC, but you you don't actually have the right to know because Jake Tapper wouldn't show you. It was just a guy saying people are learning about the side effects of the vaccine itself. I thought that was very interesting. Um, It's incredible to me that Anthony Fauci is daring to call anyone out as politicizing this virus and pandemic when the entire thing is being politicized by him. I know what Fauci's angle is power, celebrity, money but I'm, I'm trying to understand and this is actually what scares me the most how ordinary people severely normal people as I like to say have absolutely joined the cult and I saw an interesting definition of a cult a cult and science what are the difference? a cult has a leader you cannot challenge science is a process A cult is unfalsifiable. It has a perfect theory that can never be dented. And if you challenge the theory, um, that says something about you. You're a dissident. You're an unbeliever. Science is all about testing and probing and revising. You have a hypothesis. You test it. The facts come in. You revise your hypothesis. You test it, test it, test it. The word proof comes from, I think, the Latin probare. Prove it, test it, poke it, probe it. Um You don't accept it on on faith. Science, I think is from the, the Greek for to to inspect, to, to, to look. it's not to, It's not blindness of faith. I put it to you that fauciism is a kind of cult like faith. It's not science. Science loves being challenged. Scientists in a way love. To be wrong, love to be proven wrong, because then they've learned something. Obviously, no human likes to be proven wrong. But if you're a true scientist, and you have a theory, and you're proven wrong, you're grateful for it at a basic level because you're getting closer to the truth, which is the quest of science. How, how unscientific it is for YouTube to ban contrary points of view. Look at this, this is Avi's video of a maskless woman a uh, Fauciist, uh, a cult follower, screaming at another woman for not wearing a mask. Huh? Take a look.
3: Did you swear at me? As a customer, I'm a well, customer to your yeah, shop. What's your you, shop name?
0: I'm asking you to leave my. Did you swear at me? I did swear at you. Why? I want you to leave my Why are shop? you
3: swearing at me? Because you are not wearing
1: a mask. I'm exempt. I've got a doctor's certificate right now.
3: Well, show me. I don't need to show you.
4: Well, if you're in my shop, you need to
3: show No one, that's the law. You know well, the law? It's Have you
1: done law. your research?
4: Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I don't even know
1: where to start. Customer service, that's out the window.
0: Obviously the best, isn't he? But there's quite something about a woman kvetching, criticizing, scolding, denouncing, threatening a guy for not wearing a mask when she is not wearing a mask. But it's not about the mask, it's not about science. As I've said before, when people come up to you and say, where's your mask? They're obviously not afraid of You, you don't go up to someone you're afraid of you go up to someone you want to lord it over, exert power over, exert dominance order, scold, show you're morally superior. It's that video we showed a couple, about a week ago, two weeks ago, of a mall in Toronto, a guy walking, following this woman around. You don't. if you think someone's got leprosy or Ebola or the Black Plague, you run. You grab your children and say, we're leaving now and hold your breath till we get out of the mall. You don't go up to her. And you'll notice I mean, I didn't hear the exact words so they were bickering about the rules, weren't they? They were bickering about the law. You notice it's never you're unsafe. Are you OK? You're they, no one actually makes an argument that they're unsafe. They just go straight to bickering about the rules. <laughs> you know, who's, who are these comedians? They're great. You know those guys, those two guys. Here's here's one of them. Sorry, I've forgotten his name. Can you remind me his his name? It's the citizen mask inspector one. Can you show that? Play this for a second.
3: Uh, excuse me, ma'am. I'm a citizen mask inspector. If you wouldn't mind popping it on.
4: I'm sorry. A citizen mask inspector. I don't have one on
3: me right now. Oh, would you mind going buying one, perhaps? I
4: am going back
3: to work. Ah, oh, citizen mask inspector.
4: Oh, okay. It's necessary. I'd
3: prefer if you did if you yeah, didn't mind.. I'm a citizen mask inspector, if you wouldn't mind popping yours on.
4: I haven't received a complaint about you asking people for masks.
3: If you guys would ask them, I wouldn't
4: have to, right? Yeah, please don't do that. I'll I'll tell
3: you what, you guys have this area. I'll do my patrolling in a different area. All
4: right, I'll do my patrolling in a different area.
0: (laughs) That guy is so good. I think his name's Ryan Long. Is that what you said, Ryan Long? Oh, my God, he's so funny. He's so funny. I, I really like him. I follow him on Twitter. I encourage you to do so, too. The citizen mask inspector. And uh, people are so obedient, aren't they? My God. Um, but there are real mask inspectors. Don't laugh. Uh, and one of the worst is the mayor of the city. Uh, I'm in. His name is John Tory. He's the mayor of Toronto. And as the BBC says, just throw in BBC Toronto lockdown. It's, it's the first hit. Um, I would have thought that... What would be the most locked down city in the world? I don't know, San Francisco maybe, because they're so leftist. Maybe if China really thought this was a thing. Toronto lockdown, one of the world's longest. And it's still on, by the way. You cannot go to a restaurant. You see that shot there? Empty restaurant? Oh, that's a patio. Uh, Restaurants are still closed in Toronto. There's patios, but there's rules. Like, it's been over a year of the lockdown. I don't know if there's any city in the world where the restaurants are closed. Do you you know that? Two other cities somewhere in the world? I haven't heard of them. Like I I was looking at some of the the football, the soccer uh, stuff in the UK and just tons of people there. And I think America is pretty much done. I was in Alberta on the weekend and everything was just fully open. I, uh, I walked into the hotel. The 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 fellow at the door actually knew me and said hello, Mr. Levant. And um, and he and he said to me, he volunteered. I didn't even ask. He said that masks are uh, not necessary in the hotel, um, let alone anywhere in the streets. Now Uber, like you'll you'll have the odd company that that foists it on you. But Toronto, they still will not allow their restaurants to open. But the uh, Terrible mayor, and I always want to say he's the worst mayor in Canada, but then someone just comes up with another counterpoint, and I think, Oh my god, you're right. Um, Take a look at this here he is watching uh, soccer or football, as they say. What a game! Uh, What a game! Can you tell A10 there's someone at the door? I'm getting the doorbell here. Um, what a game. Dropped by Cafe Diplomatico in Little Italy for the Euro 2020 final. Congratulations, Italy. So there's, there's John Tory, just an awful man. So you can see he's on the patio because you're allowed a certain number of people in the patio. Now right behind him, uh, just like two feet away from him, um, is a throng of people. And we know that John Tory knows this because they were right around him. They were cheering. He saw them. And he put them in his official photo. Now, I should tell you that that's not allowed. There are rules against public gatherings like that. Why is that not only okay, but he's publishing a photo of it, and he doesn't have a mask on? Now this looks like life is normal, and he's trying to show he's totally down, and you can see, congratulations, Italy. John Tory is about as um, Italian as um, Taiwan is, uh, which is to say, he's not Italian at all. But um, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of Italian people in Toronto. One of my favorite things about Toronto. I grew up in Calgary. Not a lot of Italian people out there. One of my favorite, you know, our uh, it really is a, a blessing to the city. He, of course, just wants votes. Fair enough. He's a mayor. Can you call up his Canada Day photo? So just like not even two weeks ago, he was flying the. <laughs> The Canadian flag at half-mast, he'll he'll publish the Italian flag because he wants those votes. He'll sit at a patio of a restaurant that he has forced closed. I don't know why any restaurateur would allow the mayor or any of the lockdown class into their establishment for the rest of time. If I was a restaurateur and I knew that John Tory was my destroyer, and I saw... Yeah, today flags at City Hall were flown at half-mast. Scroll down, can you see John Tory there? Okay, maybe not that one, but... Um, He's not in the photo. Show me the 4th of July picture. So on the 1st of July, he shows he's flying the the Canadian flag at half-mast. On the 4th of July, he's flying the American flag right up to the top of the flagpole, but he's wearing a mask is what I'm trying to show. Maybe, um, yeah, so if you can zoom in there, I don't know why he's not in that first one. So today the flag of the United States of America is raised at City Hall for Independence Day Wishing a great day to everyone celebrating 4th of July. So it's at the top of the flagpole, not half mast. He's got his mask on, Uh, even though there's no one within 100 feet of him. But um, there he was watching the the soccer game. Absolutely jam-packed streets, no mask on. The rules have not changed. They have not changed for public gatherings. It's almost, like he's, uh, it's almost like he's applying the rules differently based on the politics of the moment. It's almost like it's got nothing to do with science or, or medicine or, or epidemiology or, or anything other than who he's courting and who he's not. Um, one of my favorite news networks, as you know, is called GB News. It's a new... Station out of the United Kingdom. I have their app on my phone. It's free to watch. Oh, my God, it's so good. I think I showed you Neil Oliver's uh, extended essay the other day on vaccine children. It was the most powerful statement I've ever heard on the subject. Well, Neil Oliver is back. He's, he's got that lovely Scot- Scottish brogue. I didn't do a good job there. And um, he's talking this time about vaccine passports. Let's listen to some of that.
5: For millions of us, the vaccine has seemed to be the right thing to do. That's fine, but it's easy to do something we want to do when we want to do it. When our choice happens to coincide with what's required by the government, then bully for us, for now. What happens, though, if our freedom to go to the pub or get on a train is made conditional upon us doing something we finally don't want to do, something we believe is the wrong thing to do, for whatever reason? It seems to me that it's like deciding if the price of a commodity is fair while you've got plenty of money. What about the person who, for deeply held personal reasons, finds a price too high to pay or just doesn't have the money? If each of us waits until that point, then all of us are lost. Because as sure as eggs is eggs, the day will come when the price demanded for freedom is finally too high, a price we cannot afford to pay. And complaints and protests made then will surely fall on deaf ears. If freedom to get on a bus or go out to earn a living comes with a condition like submitting to a medical procedure, then by definition it is not freedom. If we wait and keep quiet and do nothing until such time as the condition affects us directly, if we remain silent and look the other way while others are left wanting, if we wait until that price is finally more than we can afford, then it's too late The time to defend freedom is while you can still afford it. When the unaffordable price is being demanded from someone else, even someone whose thinking and choices we don't approve of, that is, in my mind, the acid test that demonstrates whether or not we believe in freedom. Civilised society must demand rights for people we don't like as well as those we do. We have to stand up for the rights of others while we still think that we ourselves are okay. Because when the time comes... When it's rights that we hold dear that are threatened and that we cannot afford to buy, then we will look around for support and deserve to find it absent. This is not a game. This is real life happening right now to real people. And the consequences of our actions as individuals and while standing shoulder to shoulder, even with those with whom we disagree, are forever.
0: You know, um, when I started watching GB News a month ago, Andrew Neal, the boss of the outfit was by far my favorite in fact He was the only one I really knew well, and he's amazing But this Neil Oliver who I only met so to speak the first night of the broadcast is so Thoughtful and powerful. I love how he wields the English language in his last video he said as the the large print giveth and the fine print taketh away. That's just a wonderful turn of phrase. I had not heard the idiom, sure as eggs is eggs. So there's little little twists like that that hook me. Obviously his passionate delivery, but it's his substance that really is so powerful. He combines his uh, emotional uh, arguments with factual, logical arguments in a way that I think is very rare. And I would have to say that Neil Oliver is now my favorite presenter on GB News, and I encourage you to watch it. I have no affiliation with them, Um, but especially Neil Oliver, I think is such a great, he marshals the English language in a way that is rarely done. And I find him very powerful and convincing. We have a few chats. I'm going to take those now, and then how are we doing for time? It's 12.43. I think we're actually making fairly good time. I only see five items left on our list that we haven't covered, but let's take some, some chats and whatnot. Um, now, are there we go. Susan Grant. Sus, Jen Grant, if I'm looking that right. I'm so disappointed with Stampede attendees. I feel as though it is a betrayal to Alberta. I presume you're talking about the masks that... Uh, or the Vax Passport at Nashville North. Can you tell me what, you're, what, what you don't like? I don't quite know. On Rumble, Chronic Bud 99 I have been told I should be fact-checking rebel stories. I said you cannot trust state broadcasters. They are the ones that need fact-checking. Well, I think you should check the facts of any media. Um, one of the things we do in video, at least uh, I, and I, you know, we do it on this live stream, and I certainly think of this when, when I do my show at night, is we give you uh, video proof or documentary proof where we show you the sources. Well, I used to be a a writer. I I got my start in writing because I was born in the 70s, so I really started working in the 90s. And that was before the Internet was really a thing. And so I had a newspaper column, so you had to... Like, how do you prove your facts in a newspaper column? You say, according to this, according to that, according to him, according to her. I mean, I suppose you could put a footnote, but that's not really the newspaper style. When blogging came about, and I started to blog, you could have what's called a hyperlink. You could say, according to a new study, and then you could link that so people could see the study yourself. Well, in TV world, we can show you a clip and then comment on it, so we can even be more powerful. So I regard my monologues as very much uh, peppered with proof points. Um, instead of footnotes I show you a chart I show you a quote I show you a short video I show you a photo and I in my mind I, I'm doing that not only to break up the visual monotony of me just going blah 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 but also to prove it to you and we have a we have a saying show your work as in when uh, and we do that for a lot of our activism when we're hiring a lawyer to fight a case we want to show the court document Or even interview the lawyer briefly just to show people that it's for real so I take fact checking very seriously and by the way fact checking like journalism itself is not a profession fact checking you're a fact checker if you check a fact it's like journalism how do you know who's a journalist well did they write a story about the day journalism comes from the word for day you know a journal jour in in french um if you capture and uh, the news of the day, you're a journalist. There's no test to take or, you know, college of physicians and surgeons equivalent. I mean, being a doctor, you have to join the profession, an engineer, an accountant. Those have standards that you have to meet and there's a reason for that. You don't want just anyone doing surgery. But um, no, fact checkers, you're the fact checker, boss. You're your own fact checker. You have to be. And anyone who calls himself a professional fact checker, really, what's that? Other than a journalist who's typically holding other journalists to account instead of holding power to account. Hyperchat 1, is Tory like Zelig. That's from Aqua Skies. Is Tory like Zelig, The movie <laughs> Zelig. That's a good movie. Um, it was about a Woody Allen character who physically started to identify with whomever he was with. So if he was with a fat person, he would get fatter. If he was in a Jewish neighborhood, he would suddenly have a big uh, Jewish hat or whatnot. And it was sort of a funny movie about a chameleon-like person named Zelig who had this medical condition. You know, it wasn't rip-roaringly funny, but um, I think all politicians are a little bit like that, uh, a little bit chameleon-like. I don't mind a guy, like, I mean, I know the old saying, I think it was Rudy Giuliani who said, when you run for mayor of New York, and it's..." Probably a little bit different now, because this was a generation ago. He said you have to you have to have foreign policy when you're running for New York because people care about the three I's he said, Ireland, Israel, and Italy. That's what he said. And I thought, well that's easy to remember because there's so many Italians, they want to know what you think about certain things about Italy. There's so many Jews they want to know you know what you think about Israel, and then the Irish. there's a very large Irish population there, so you know, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, who I really like, said you got... And, and so, yes, of course, every politician is a little bit of a chameleon, you know. You, you go to an Irish event, maybe you're wearing a green tie that you wouldn't do if you You know, And so, sure, I, I'm not knocking John Tory for being a booster of Italy. I like Italy, too. I, I'm knocking him for being... Um, So capricious and whimsical and unbound by the rule of law with his views on masks and gatherings. And by the way, uh, I wish everyone could be as free as he was that day. Um, No masks and with a ton of people celebrating life. Um, He'll snap back into lockdown mode as soon as his photo op is done. That's my beef with him. Super U, Donald Best, what happened to the feminist mantra, my body, my choice? Apparently it doesn't apply to Vax. Oh, exactly. Keep your laws off my body. It's between a a woman, God, and her doctor. Yeah, that's all thrown out the window. Pro-choicers never really meant it, did they? Um, Thomas uh, chips in 25 library. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, um, let's just check the clock. It's 1249. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I saw an ad for a political candidate in Arizona, and um, I don't know if this candidate has has a strong chance. This candidate, I was aware of him before because I'm interested in Peter Thiel, the um, liberty-oriented, freedom-oriented tech uh, billionaire. He was um, one of the founders of PayPal. He was the first outside investor in Facebook, He's with other uh, tech companies I don't really understand, but he's, he's freedom oriented. He's written some great books. I've, I've heard him speak. Um, he actually moved from Silicon Valley to LA to get away from the groupthink in that town. I think he's the only tech guy who was actually sort of chummy with Trump and he was marginalized for that. So one of his allies or colleagues is named Blake Masters and I, and I sort of followed him online and I was sort of surprised to hear that uh, he was running for the U.S. Senate, which is a pretty big jump. Um, and I think he's an excellent communicator. I, th- I like this video a lot. And he'll obviously have no shortage of money at his disposal. I don't know if that's enough to win. I don't know Arizona politics well, but I wanna show you this campaign ad, which I think was just released today. And uh, it just really speaks to me. There's so many parts of this that I think are just perfect. Can I show it to you? Here's Lake Masters who's running for the Arizona for for, he wants to be the senator for Arizona take a look
4: I grew up here one of my earliest memories is hiking in the Sonoran Desert with my dad in some ways my life hasn't changed all that much since then I met my wife Catherine here in Tucson in middle school Now we have three boys of our own, and we go on those same hikes together. But there's one big thing that does change when you grow up and have kids. You no longer take things for granted. Now the country I grew up in was optimistic. People thought all you had to do was go to school and work hard you'd be able to buy a house and raise a family. But it hasn't worked out that way. Today, for the first time, young people in America expect to be worse off than their parents. Our leaders have shipped millions of jobs to China, and the Internet, which was supposed to give us an awesome future, is instead being used to shut us up. The truth is, we can't take America for granted. And if we want to keep it, we got to fight for it. Because we are up against a media that lies to us. Schools that teach our kids to hate our country. And corporations that have gotten so big, they think they're bigger than America. It's time to put this country first. We need to enforce the law, and we need to finish the wall. We gotta build an economy where you can afford to raise a family on one single income. And instead of pretending that we can somehow fix foreign countries, we gotta take care of each other right here at home. My name is Blake Masters. I'm running to represent Arizona in the United States Senate. Because we've got a country to save and we can't take it for granted. I hope you'll join me.
0: There's so many things about that that I thought were so well-spoken. Um, tough talk on China. Um, he's in the tech world, but he's really worried about censorship. I really appreciated how clearly he spoke. I, um, boy, I hope he does well. I don't know if you can just move into politics without um, a ground game, without that political infrastructure beneath you. I mean, I suppose, I mean, Donald Trump didn't have a wide infrastructure, but he did have a household name when he ran in 2015-16 for the presidential primary, I mean, the Republican primary. But I found that a bracing um, ad, and and, uh, I'm just worried that those issues he's talking about have taken a real um, setback since Trump himself lost. I think China is rampant. I think the wokism in big capital is out of control. Silicon Valley has never been worse, never more censorious. Um, and I think he's absolutely dead right about the next generation having less than the one before us, which generally isn't how it's supposed to go. <laughs> Every generation is supposed to do better than their parents. I think with inflation, with uh, regulation, I think we're in for a tough time, both Joe Biden's America and Justin Trudeau's Canada. Uh, I want to show you two possible futures that could uh, befall us here in North America. I want to tell you, we've been following closely the church arson hate crime wave in Canada. I don't know the number, it's well over 20 churches that have either been burned or otherwise vandalized. It's so often that it's almost not even making the news anymore, like just a small item. Uh, so there's a lot of violence and police either don't care or can't be everywhere. Policing requires a general consensus by the population to follow the rules without the need for police. Um, other than that, you need a police state, a totalitarian state. If, you, if the people are not on side with the laws, the laws really are ineffective. Um, take a look at this from South Africa, a country that uh, seems to get more lawless and poor and violent all the time. I, I found this troubling. We won't play the whole thing, but here's 30 seconds of this.
2: At the moment, what we are watching is um, a shop. We, we, we,
0: we are watching people who are walking out with things like fridges, beds. I mean.
5: Pretty- they're walking us with furniture now. So it has gone from food to clothing to furniture. There's a shop that they're trying to hit at the moment. We understand it's food lovers. They're also coming out of their brand. The
0: whole mall has been looted. When we arrived here, the police were shooting They were also getting stones that were coming back at them. But now the police are actually just standing also trying to get them out on the other side of the mall where there's um, normally the eatery side of the mall. That's where they've managed to get... So apparently every single store in that mall was looted. That was in Soweto, um, which uh, I've never been there, but I understand it's a largely black community. So I think they were looting likely stores owned and operated by other black people complete lawlessness what what struck me about this was just how large the looting was again how many police would it take to stop that dozens maybe hundreds and just just the totality of it like just loot everything just strip it down and i'm not saying we're there yet but there are some lawless parts of america um San Francisco, for example, was it Target that announced they're leaving there? Some, bigs, some big box store said we're just shutting down in San Francisco. Not because they have pure looting like that, but because there's no prosecutions for thefts under a thousand bucks. Like the. So it's, it's, uh, it was Target, is that what you're saying? Okay. They're closing at 7 p.m. Okay, I thought they were leaving. So I'll, I'll have to look more into that. Maybe I was looking at a different headline. But I think that we're, in some American cities, the, the looting gets a free pass, and now in Canada, the church arsons get a free pass. Um, that's one possible future, because if lawlessness and tearing down statues and burning things becomes uh, no longer taboo, it's the taboo, it's the fact that it's morally repugnant that's what restrains most of us we govern ourselves the police are only there for those who don't govern themselves but if if it's no longer taboo to burn things steal things riot well then no number of police is enough to crack down and the police will become the political enemy which is happening in places like Portland and Seattle and St. Louis on the other hand I want to show you um, something quite incredible and I think this will be the last thing I show today and it's a remarkable protest in a country that does not allow protests there's no freedom of assembly no freedom of association no political freedom no freedom of the press no freedom of conscience thought belief in cuba and nonetheless and imagine how brave you have to be to have a mass protest against the communist regime in cuba knowing how many murders have been committed by the castro regime the courage to do so let's do we have some video of that let's take a look i knew what they were saying there Uh, other images i saw showed the american flag as a symbol of liberty now um i find it hopeful when i see video like that but i also am immediately sad because i know that unlike mohandas gandhi when he had his protests and when the british police cracked down on him hard he knew that that would yeah look at that there's american flag you see it there that that would lodge in the conscience of the british empire and that the British Empire would, was doing things that were actually at odds with the culture of the Brits. Not so in a Stalinist country like Cuba where there's political autocracy and where violence is just day-to-day, you know, it's, it doesn't raise an eyebrow, sorry, do, sorry it doesn't um, prick the conscience of the dictatorship. The reason that dictatorship has been there for coming up on 70 years is precisely because they have no qualms about murdering or disappearing people. So I believe they're going to have the unhappy result that Tiananmen Square had. That said, it's wonderful to see a protest in Cuba, and, I'm, and I, I hope that that they escape the brutality which I fear is aimed at them. But watching the media party, do we have any viz of that, like the New York Times or, or Twitter itself? <laughs> they were chanting against communism. They were holding the American flag. And So first of all, here's the (laughs) White House Assistant Secretary of State. So this is the Biden administration. Peaceful protests are growing in Cuba. As the Cuban people exercise their right to peaceful assembly to express concern about rising COVID cases, deaths, and medicine shortages, we commend the numerous efforts of the Cuban people mobilizing donations to help neighbors in need. Is that really what's going on? except they don't have the right to peaceful assembly there. And they weren't saying, we want vaccines. We want, they just weren't. This is the most bizarre thing. They were against the regime. This feels like it was written by the regime. And give me the New York Times if you can find it. Uh, Sorry, I didn't send you the link, but everywhere you look in the media, they're saying these are protests against a lack of vax, or they're just protesting. There was one protesting against, Misery. I'm against misery. Down with misery. What? Two, four, six, eight. We don't want no misery. We want, we, now we want to commiserate. Cuban, this is the New York Times, right? Cubans denounce misery. (laughs) Oh my God. Look at this. The rally is widely viewed as astonishing for a country that limits dissent. We're set off by economic crises worsened by the pandemic. That may be true, but they're not denouncing mis... Two, four, six, eight. We don't like to be unhappy. No misery. No, no, no misery. Maybe they should get um, Juvenile to do some rap. Some really, really cool rap. Scroll down a bit. Can, is there anything we can read as behind the paywall? Shouting freedom... And other anti-government slogans. Isn't that quite something to the New York Times? I mean, I suppose that's true. In Cuba, the government is against freedom everywhere. Thousands of Cubans took to the streets in cities around the country on Sunday to protest food and medicine shortages in a remarkable eruption of discontent not seen in nearly 30 years. Thousands of people marched through San Antonio de los Banos, southwest of Havana, with videos streaming live on Facebook for nearly an hour before they suddenly disappeared. Thanks, Facebook. As the afternoon wore on, other videos appeared from demonstrations elsewhere, including Palma Soriano in the country southeast. Hundreds of people also gathered in Havana, where a heavy police presence preceded the arrival. The people are dying of hunger, one woman shouted during a protest. Our children are dying of hunger. We're against misery. Down with misery. No, actually, I think they're against the communist regime. And I think the New York Times is still in love with Fidel Castro, as is Justin Trudeau. When last I checked, I should tell you that there was still no statement on the subject. Now, I I could be wrong in the last couple hours from Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, or Canada's so-called conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole. Well, I mean, listen, they're they're upset with misery, so what's there to say, right? Hey, before I go, let me show you a video from Vancouver. Our reporter, Drea Humphrey, was... um, invited, as were other media, to a couple of press conferences held by Justin Trudeau, and she very politely waited in line, and she was at the mic, and they wouldn't turn it on, they wouldn't give her a question, so she walked with Trudeau and asked him some questions, and he sort of touched her, I think, actually, and signaled to his bodyguards that he didn't want to talk to her, he wanted to take selfies, okay, that's fine, you don't have to talk to anyone, but his bodyguards immediately grabbed her, wrenched her away, that's assault. She was not threatening him. She was not blocking him. She was not rude to him. She was just asking a question he didn't like. Take a look at this.
2: You talked about Canada's last wrongs, the past things they haven't done right. When will you speak out about the 20 vandalized churches? They're burning churches and vandalizing them, and you're not calling it a hate crime.
0: That makes me sick. Hey, do you think if the CBC or CTV had a reporter grabbed and wrenched away from Trudeau because they were asking a question and he didn't like you think, do you think maybe that would be a bit of a national scandal? But you can see that was a trick question because when was the last time a journalist asked Trudeau a, a, a tough question? Uh, you can't really ask your boss a tough question. I mean, I suppose you could um, if it's sort of like your last day, like, I mean, you know, we, we all hear that sort of scenario, that hypothetical scenario of, um, what would you do if you won a gazillion dollars? Would you go into your office and say to your boss, I'm out of here and I've always hated you or something. And then the joke is you didn't actually win the lottery. And then there's a, that's a whole sketch from like a dozen um, sitcoms. But... Um, The only way you're gonna get a media party journalist asking a tough question of Trudeau if it's like their last day and they're just going out in a blaze of glory. Because if you work for CTV, CBC, Global, uh, or any of the bailout newspapers and you ask an aggressive question to the prime minister, um, your boss is gonna get a call and your massive bailout is gonna be in jeopardy and uh, you will be fired. And how do I know this? Uh, because this has been how it's always been. I don't know if you remember, uh, back in the day when Jean Chrétien was the Prime Minister, a dictator named Suharto came to the University of British Columbia, came to Vancouver for a state trip, and Suharto was a terrible dictator. And so there were a number of protesters on the streets, just holding up signs peacefully. There was nothing violent about it, it was just um, peaceful protests. And Suharto was uncomfortable with this, and Jean Chrétien, of course, was uncomfortable with it, too. So he ordered, and this later came out in the, what was called the APEC inquiry, because it was the, APEC was the name of the meeting, that the Prime Minister's office ordered the RCMP to pepper spray people, to, to strip search people. It was a political punishment, but most importantly and most incredibly, they ordered the CBC to suspend a CBC journalist who was critical of them. His name is Terry Malevsky. Terry Malevsky did honest reporting on what was called Spray Peck. Now Terry Malevsky is is an interesting and mixed bag kind of guy, but in that case, he was doing excellent journalism. He was specifically ordered off the story by the PMO who called up the CBC and Terry Malevsky was suspended from reporting on it because jean chretien didn't want him to. That's how it was a generation ago, before all the newspapers were on the... Ba- that, that happened because the CBC is a state broadcaster, so it's just a phone call from one guy to the other guy. It was done. But now you've got all the newspapers on it, too. So you're not going to see anyone in Canada ask that kind of a question to Trudeau, A, because they don't want to be manhandled, but B, because they'll be fired. Tell me anyone in the CBC who would ask that question. All right, it's 109. Pleasure to be with you today. I do want to show one last thing. Um, I've seen uh, a little trailer for the next Bond movie. And this is some Bond villain talking about how we have to treat the Internet like a virus. It's a really... Like, I think this guy's too typecast. Like, straight out of central casting Bond villain. What do you think? Do you think they should uh, hire someone else? Like, uh, I don't know, who's a hot actor right now who, um, who would be perfect for this role? Maybe, like, an evil... Uh, who's that guy who did Sherlock Holmes? That British actor who's everywhere. Oh, I can't even remember my actors' names. But benedict cumberbatch thank you who would be a better bond villain benedict cumberbatch or this low rent guy take a look
5: masks are not sufficient we need vaccines to immunize ourselves the same is true for cyber attacks here too we have to move from simple protection to immunization we need to build i.t infrastructures that have Digital antibodies built in, inherently, to protect
0: themselves. digital antibodies. We need to build IT that's vaccinated. He actually goes on there. I don't don't worry about finding a longer clip. Now that my hamfisted introduction didn't really work. That's not a Bond villain. That's Klaus Schwab. He's the boss of the World Economic Forum in Davos. He's the guy who's behind the the great reset. He's the guy who says, you'll own nothing and you'll love it. He's the guy who believes in that we should be eating bugs and eating plant-based meat substitutes. He's the pro-China guy. He's the global warming guy. He's the carbon tax guy. He's the new world order guy. This is all his language, by the way. I'm not insulting him. I'm describing him. And now he thinks we need to inoculate and immunize our internet against bad ideas and of course he'll be the ones determining what's good or bad my only quarrel with what he says is it's already been done my friends it's 1 um i gotta go do other stuff thank you for joining today uh thanks for your super chats and your comments out there um i'm gonna have a show tonight what am i doing my show on tonight ontario's curriculum the math curriculum. I want to let you know that math is racist, in case you didn't already know, um, which I wouldn't have guessed because, of course, our numbering system is called Arabic numerals. So I, I mean, I, Arabs are generally considered an ethnicity that's not white. So uh, if you're anti-Arabic numerals, that w- it would be racist to be anti-math. And so much of math was by the ancients. Um, I'm gonna try and figure this all out. That'll be on my show at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. Until then. Oh, really, I got some breaking news here that we might have some wider video. Is it me dancing? Is it me dancing? Uh, Oh my God, let's take a look. Can you pump it up bigger? not quite sure what I saw there I, I know that was John Tory doing a TikTok video you know um, sometimes it's funny like there's some videos out there on the internet of like a really really old guy with a cane and then he surprises you by really busting a move right like everyone loves those videos maybe it's at a, at a wedding and a really old guy sort of surprises you with a dance um, like those are sort of cute and funny when they're naturally occurring videos, oh, he's got some moves, he must have been quite something in his day. But to see the whitest mayor try and do something cool and TikToky there, I don't know, maybe he's doing it for the irony, maybe he's doing it for the pity, the sympathy. Um, I wouldn't care normally, other than he's, I think, the worst mayor in Canada. But I will say that is whiter than juvenile saying, vax that thing up. I agree with you on that, Justin. I'm gonna say goodbye now, do we have a dog video? We do. Okay, bye everybody, here's a dog video curated by Justin, see you later. You have the dogs that love the water. And then you have the dogs that
3: hate the water. (laughs)